0: Deception
1: Welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and that was Carter Lewis and the Southerners way back from 1963 with Sweet and Tender Romance. It's because I've got the huge pleasure to welcome John Carter here today, one of the biggest and best songwriters of the British music scene of the 1960s, but also an amazing singer and record producer, John joins me today, as well as his wife, Jill Shakespeare, also a songwriter with John, to talk about his fantastic career and the new four CD collection out on Grapefruit and Cherry Red, collecting all his key work. So let's hear my chat with John. Hello, John. It's uh, Jason Barnard here. Hi. Hi. We're here to talk about the John Carter story and your career more broadly. Sure thing, yeah. Maybe it's good to uh, start at the beginning. And um, is it right that it's you and Ken, in terms of getting into the industry, were just like knocking down doors on Denmark Street?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I remember it well. We just went round Denmark Street a few times knocking on doors until someone said, well, come in, we'll
1: discuss it. And... uh, We were lucky at one time, and then that was it. We were in. And you knew Kenneth from school, is that right? Yeah, we were at school together, yeah. In Birmingham, yeah. And so was the idea to almost form a group around you both, which is why Carter Lewis and the Southerners came about.
2: Well, we got to know people, didn't we? uh, We we were doing uh, some sessions, you know, for people, and uh, we'd meet... Other people that we thought, oh, I know you from Centre,
1: and we've become friends. So it all worked like that. And even in those early days, the songs were so strong, such as "Sweet and Tender Romance," for example. How did you write songs with Ken? Well, it's, it's very difficult to explain, but we just got together. I played guitar, Ken played
2: uh, piano, and we just said to each other, "What do you think of this?" And then I said, oh, that's great. What do you think it is? And we, we worked out the best one that we thought would develop into a, a good
1: song and worked on that. On this set as well, this this demo versions of songs that are, are really well recorded, like Can't You Hear My Heartbeat, which was uh, yeah. a hit for Herman's Hermits. So. You seem to put a lot of effort into into those demos. Oh, we did. Yeah,
2: I mean, I always thought if you do a good demo, people are going to take more notice of it. Uh, when they think, shall we, you know, shall we record this with our artists? So we tried to make our demos as good as possible.
0: Every time I see you
1: the Carter Lewis and the Southerners morphing into the Ivy League but was it actually working with Perry Ford? Uh,
2: the Ivy League was, yeah, working with Perry uh, for a while I think.
1: We wanted a group of three people
2: so we needed one more, the and Ken and uh, we had to get another one in for good harmonies. Yeah. So we knew Perry from somewhere, he was around Denmark Street all the time, like we were and uh, you know we bumped into him and said, you fancy coming and joining us and he did
1: all three of you were on a a lot of other artists material and um and that included i can't explain i understand that in terms of getting involved with that you actually didn't know what session you were going to be on
2: that's right you just got a you know a phone call saying you know we were asked to go and do a a session we didn't know who it was going to be with you just turned up and uh In fact, most of the time, they don't give you any music to look at. You just make it up as you go. So you you listen to the song that they're trying to do and um, make up your own harmonies.
1: What many people won't know is that you were on tracks by Tom Jones, Jeff Beckett and and even uh, Chris Farlow. All of it is, (laughs) yes.
2: Yeah, we were. But, you know, isn't it? With, with people that do backing vocals, uh, they don't get a mention really. It's not important to people. They just want to hear the, the final record, and if they think, oh, this is great," they go and buy it. But they don't say, "I wonder who was on the back end?" vocals.
1: Such a prolific period doing demos, backing vocals, other artists, you must have been working non stop.
2: I would have thought one wasn't that bad, but yeah, you're right, we were working every day doing something like that, and it did get a bit uh, over the top.
1: The Ivy League as well were hugely successful. The vocals and harmonies on Tossing and Turning are still unmistakable. So the, the Ivy League was about combining the songwriting as you as a trio but adding the, the harmony sound?
0: Yeah,
1: we tried to make that as, as good as possible because we, we loved that song. Were the Beach Boys an influence in that period? I would say they were.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I used to love the Beach Boys. And it's obviously, if I'm listening to something like that, it's going to influence me in a way, definitely.
1: about you singing on other songwriters songs and famously you also sung the lead vocals on uh, Winchester Cathedral as well that's right would you like it <laughs> Winchester Cathedral well, thank you <laughs> <laughs> that was while Ken decided to stay on in the Ivy League but you linked up with Jeff Stevens
2: I think that's right yeah absolutely and uh, you know Jeff asked me to do the uh the demo of that, which turned out into more than a demo, um, and
1: I I really enjoyed doing it. I've read that um, Jeff Stevens couldn't afford a session payment, so he gave you a royalty on that track.
2: Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Jeff,
2: Jeff never had any money.
1: <laughs> well, it was a hit everywhere, but it even topped the charts in America. So you must have been very grateful of taking that royalty.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the uh, the best things I'd done. I think you know for for money. Anyway, <laughs> no, I enjoyed I enjoyed doing it.
1: In that period, you continued working with Jeff and going more into the studio. And I've read that you just weren't a fan of the touring at the times that you were more at home in the studio. Is that right?
2: I got fed up with touring very much. I mean, I didn't like touring at all. I'd like to be at home with my wife and having fun around where we lived and going out to concerts and writing
1: songs and all that. And I started writing songs with my wife. So... It all worked out really well. And My World Fell Down is a a real highlight in that period and working with Jeff in the songwriting. But in America, the record producer Gary Usher took that song and even added more production, and that's a song that is really revered now.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, really glad we we wrote that. And as you say, the, the American version's
1: brilliant i thought yeah because uh, i think it was bruce johnston of the beach boys and as well as glenn campbell even yeah. played on uh, sagittarius's version that's right yeah so we were lucky with that one well i, th- I think the uh, the songwriting uh, was the foundation that i mean your version was fantastic and that they just even added to it yeah they
2: did absolutely right
0: Just like a breath of spring You came my way I heard a bluebird sing I from Down, down, down.
1: And so, when Ken left the Ivy League, you then started working again with him. That ended up leading to the the Flowerpot Men and the Let's Go to San Francisco. Song which was a huge hit. Yep, yep. It was a very lush and orchestral sound. So you must have been inspired from that American scene.
2: That's right. Yeah, we we, we took notice of what was going on in America, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was an influence. I don't think you can sort of say um, we took no notice of it. We we just listened to it, and uh, we didn't copy anything. It was just. And as I say, an
1: influence flow power, yeah. And the name of the group that was from Watch with Mother, wasn't it? The the children's show. Yeah, and Ben, Yes. In a similar pattern, you didn't want to front the group. You'd prefer other people to to perform live, so you could focus in the studio.
2: Yeah, that was uh, that
1: was always what I liked
2: doing. You know, I liked to be in the studio recording new things, but going on the road, I did a little bit of it, didn't I? But not very
1: much. You were working with great musicians in that time, like John Ford and, and Richard Hudson, so you must have had some uh, great musicians playing with you in the studio on, on that material. I agree, yeah,
2: I, I think we did. There were some, some wonderful players around in those days. I've got to mention Clem, because he was around. Clem Cattini. Yeah. An
1: incredible drummer.
2: He was wonderful. He was wonderful. <laughs>
1: And on this set as well as got the material that was released under Stamford Bridge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The link up on Stamford Bridge that originally was started through the football song Chelsea, I think.
2: Chelsea, Chelsea.
1: <laughs> and then soon after that you were working with Jeff Stevens and, and wrote Knock Knock Who's There that was performed by Mary Hopkins. That's right, yeah.
2: Oh, the publishers asked us to write
1: it, yeah. And this was the period where you, you really started writing with your wife, Gillian, as well. The material was just as strong at this time, such as Dreams of Tenor Penny, that was uh, released under the Kincaid name. Yeah. The work with, with your wife uh, deepened in, in that time?
2: We loved writing together, didn't we? Oh, yes. Uh, it was good that
3: we were both in the same place, being able to bounce ideas off each other. So, you know, I was around. If John had an idea, he'd play it to me and see if I wanted to work on it. And I'd go away and have a think and come up with some ideas. It all not work very well.
1: And did either of you particularly focus on one side of the songs, like the melody or the lyrics, or was it combined?
3: Oh, no, I'm, I'm just sort of the lyric writer.
1: I mean, right. John is the
3: musician, and he also had ideas about the lyrics. And he would also give me a heads up as to what, uh, how a lyric should go in order to sing right, yeah. but um, I'd maybe have an idea for a chorus or a hook or a title, and then we'd talk about it and see if it worked and yeah. kick it around until it did. That was usually brilliant. She's great. <laughs> 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 I was highly <finally> in cheap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Children, we played in your backyard. And we pretended whenever times were hard. We built a house up in a tree and dreamed. 拜拜
1: And that continued with Beach Baby as well, which came, came under the the first class name. Which it, it was almost like a, a British version of, of the Beach Boys sound. Was it? A, it was, yeah. Was it sort of consciously written for, for for that style? I don't think it was. It was just that kind of song, wasn't it? No, you know not, more about
3: that didn't Yeah,
1: you? just that
2: song needed that kind of uh, big orchestral. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And on Beach Baby, I think it's Tony Burrows who who did the, the lead vocals, so you've got a strong association with Tony who who's sung quite a lot of your material. Oh yeah.
2: Oh. He's he's been a friend for years and years and years. You've done
3: a with him sessions yeah. with him all from way back.
1: So you know him yeah. a long time. Yeah. No know, know him very well. And the amazing thing about uh, Beach Baby is that that song was a huge hit in America which selling sands to, to Arabia or something, it was quite <laughs> amazing that, that you were actually emulating their sound quite gratifying really it, wasn't it right? was surprising yeah. as well <laughs> Seventies, there was a, a lot of work on advertising jingles. So you must have been really busy on all the different companies that wanted jingles, and that was the period where songs for adverts were essential.
2: Yeah, no, it was a good time. I, I, I enjoyed doing that, and uh, as you say, it, it was really well paid. So it was, was quite, quite frantic, there wasn't it? It was it, frantic.
1: It something written in the morning for a session the next day. I think there's some songs that that came out of it. I think there was a song called The Sound of Summer that was originally written for Butlins, but actually became a hit across the world.
2: That's right, yeah.
3: It was recorded by a Hungarian group, and it was a big hit in Japan by the same group. So it's international, yeah.
1: And also in that period, you were actually writing material for films as well?
3: Well, I think that was mostly um, film companies using songs that had already been recorded. They'd yeah. been um, just
2: asked to use a particular song yeah. rather than uh, specifically. I think occasionally we did get asked to write something for a certain mm. film, yeah. Yeah, I mean, songs that were already written, yeah. Mm.
1: then in the last decade you've been writing in uh, the duo hamster there's some really great material there like your reply made me cry which combines a bit of latin styles but also some of the core melody that you've always had john um that must be great to have new material coming out
2: absolutely and thanks to Salomo, who's here now who joins us
1: in that thanks john he's uh, yeah, you just know, making it all a bit different, and so uh, we appreciate all that. You've got a, a range of videos that have come out that accompany the songs, but obviously, people can get the music directly and and, and stream it. And has there been at least three albums? I think under under Hamster. Yeah. Three albums. Three yeah.
2: albums yeah.
1: yeah, another two on the way. <laughs> <laughs> another two on the way. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so lots to look forward to. Thank you so much for your time. It's much appreciated. It's a, uh, thank you. It was a
2: pleasure to talk to
1: you. Thanks very much, Jason. Thanks, you Thank you. You all take care and I wish you all the very best with the uh, the new Cherry Red set, My World Fell Down, The John Cat Story, and importantly the new music coming out under Hamster. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right, take care and bye-bye. 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 bye-bye.
0: I said I'm all alone, need to hold your tight, but I never heard a word back from you. Then this morning when I checked my mail, I got the answer you knew would never fail. You said to me it's over and we're Que fosse me deixar, o que será de mim sem você ao meu lado? Não tenho muito o que dizer, pois as lágrimas não param de escorrer. decisão para mim foi um espanto Que até então apenas pensava em seu canto